All right, three rounds complete here. I am Sean Zock. He is Michael Bamberger for the Golf.com podcast. It's a mini podcast Saturday evening, and Gary Woodland just tapped in for a score of 11 under through three rounds. It's impressive that he's he's made it lower. Uh, yeah. I didn't necessarily think that he would. I thought Saturday nerves might get to him. If you would have told me, might be worse. if you if you would have told me that he did not make a bogey on the back nine today, having just watched him, he was grinding things out and getting lucky, in my opinion. Well, he, we, he you and I were talking about a winning score after thirty-six holes, and I think you said nine. Ten. You said ten. Yeah. It and felt that like sounds, that sounds that sounded at the time like it'd be hard to get to ten, maybe. Yeah. And now, uh, now you got two guys already there. And I still think ten might very well be a, very well be a winning score. So then the question becomes. Who's going to get to it. 10? Yeah, I just, I see this course being similar. You said that you think that we can trick it up by pins, right? We can put I wouldn't even call it trick it up. You know, I think, I think that's the beauty of, of, of Pebble Beach is uh, uh, small, slopey greens and three yards here and three yards there mm-hmm. mean a lot. And you're never going to have a situation like you had at Shinnecock Hills last year because you don't have the baking sun. Yeah. Even if the sun did come out tomorrow, which it's not expected to do. Uh, you just have relatively uh, soft green, so you can have some uh, very uh, tricky uh, pin positions that are still within the realm of the reasonable. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of it. Yeah, another, I mean, for anyone to compare this place to Shinnecock, it's kind of a fool's game. The climate is different here, as you just said. The length of that course is far different than this one. There are a good handful of wedges coming into a lot of these greens, so... The amount of spin being played on shots is just far different. Yeah, and that's why Gary Woodland has been uh, been so effective. Uh, speaking of spin, uh, that was a subject for you with Steve Elkington the other yes. day, and it's been very interesting to see the guys who are playing this golf course are not hitting a lot of really spinny shots, although we're seeing a lot of a lot of spinny shots. Uh, but let's just tell the folks about yeah. what you did the <laughs> other day. I mean, it was it was fascinating to watch a little golf with Steve Elkington. I did it on one of the yachts in the harbor in Stillwater Cove. Uh, it was the tinier yacht. Now, granted, that's a relative position. Completely relative. The big yacht is 143 feet. This one was 70 feet. Uh, Steve Elkington was holding court, talking about how to hit a ball off of the 18th cart path. <laughs> how, how Jordan Spieth was getting steep in his swing and not making a very pure strike and just spinning the ball like crazy on the 15th hole. Uh, he was watching. It was fascinating watching him watch Tiger grind out his second round uh-huh. uh or his first round excuse me and so yeah it was great to, to be on a yacht and to see a lot of uh i guess how wealth is managed because people were not being pompous they were enjoying their time they are drinking their wine literally the family uh-huh. made wine uh-huh. uh and enjoying fruits of their labor and it's uh, it's just a sight not many people get to see. They get to see on the broadcast these yachts right. on just about every shot. Right. But uh, to actually be out there, I had binoculars that could see the 18th hole, the 17th hole, the 4th hole, the 5th hole, the 6th hole, and the 7th hole. Uh-huh. And that was awesome. Uh-huh. To see these little lobbed drop shots on 7 yeah. from Henrik Stenson and Brent Snedeker hitting their balls and to then pan with the binoculars down to the green. And to see the ball actually crash into the green, that was yeah. fascinating. How do you think Elk would be as a commentator? I think he'd be good, but I think he'd be quickly fired because the guy definitely doesn't necessarily know his bounds when yeah. it comes to uh, his opinions and isn't the most politically correct at all times. He was pretty tame on the boat, uh, tamer than his Twitter account. Right. But I think his opinions are fascinating, and they're very sound. 
they're well placed. Now it's interesting. The uh, you know the Sunday U.S. Open Sunday that was Johnny Miller's day. You yeah, know, they really paid him whatever they paid him for that one day a year when millions of people who aren't golf fans uh, would tune in and watch. Uh, while we were walking down here, we said hi to Joe Buck mm-hmm. and uh, and you said something uh, very interesting with which I agree with, but. Uh, uh, t- t- uh, yeah. t- tell the folks what you think about the, the Fox broadcast team and Joe Buck's role in it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I just think it's the best broadcast in golf. And granted, the sample size is far less. They only broadcast the U.S. Open for the men once a year. They get to do the women and they get to do the U.S. Amateur and all of that. So they, they have enough events. But I just think that people, they hold Fox to this standard that doesn't necessarily, it shouldn't necessarily exist. They want Joe Buck to to be Johnny Miller they want him to be and that's really that's Azinger's job it's just it's a tricky line for them to walk and I think that they have done great with the drone shots they've got drones out all over the water out there right just tracking along the eighth hole tracking along the 18th hole that's a view that the people that have shot the 18th green over the years at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am they have never done that shot right and it just feels like at this course to bring new aspects, that's a feat. Yeah, that is really a feat. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think uh, Joe, the fact that Joe does a lot of baseball and a lot of football, uh, he brings an everyman quality mm-hmm. to it, and golf needs that desperately. And Jim Nance does it his own way, and it's very different. But uh, I think it's very appropriate for for a U.S. Open. Uh, Hence its name, open. I mean, it's, and and that was part of the great charm of uh, what Miller did. He brought so many people into it, a, a totally different style and a, di- and a different role. And then one other role, just w- to wrap up here on the TV part of things for a minute, is but I think Curtis Strange is, is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's won two two, two U.S. Opens, but uh, he understands that golf ball sitting in that lie. And Bones McKay would say is this it, it does the exact same thing. It's like this is what Watson used always to say. You know, what am I going to do with a shot? What will the lie let me do with this shot? Yeah. And around here, with this clumpy rough, so this, this this first cut, uh, fairways that aren't really uh, uh, tightly mown, kind of a fluffy, almost a fluffy lie in, in a lot of situations, um, that lie dictates everything. So when you have Curtis describe to you what the shot can do, what you can do with the shot, um, it's sort of like, well, you may not remember this, but Tim McCarver used to do a lot of baseball. Mm-hmm. It's like you understood the game at such a keen level. It's like you're learning something all the time. So I'm 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 glad we're standing here. In Those things are vital. They it, really are vital to the viewer, like my mother at home, understanding. She's not a golfer. She doesn't play golf even recreationally. She has not gotten into it even that I'm in the game. But when she watches that and understands just the the layers to Brooks Kepka's approach yeah. on 18, the fact that he has to go under this tree, yeah. but he's off the fairway and he's trying to hit a cut. All those things are very relevant. It's neat to consider that between the combination of the Fox broadcast and what we're doing on golf.com, you really have everything you possibly need to know about this game. <laughs> That's what I like to think. Um, before we close up, we have to talk about how this is going to play out. And the course, as we've discussed, will probably be a bit, will probably be a bit more difficult tomorrow. And so that, for me, that shrinks the leaderboard. I just, if no one can shoot 65, that means that the people that are at five under or worse are probably out of it. Would you agree? I completely agree. And e- even though I would, uh, I would love to see uh, Rory contend for this thing. I think he's too far back. If the, uh, I just think it's a, a, mm-hmm. a three-man race, uh, unless they all three screw up, and that's yeah. really, un- and, th- and that's really unlikely. Uh, 
And then just one other quick note uh, of, a, of a personal nature. I have a uh, tremendous rooting interest in seeing what happens with the low amateur competition. Yes. Because uh, Brandon Wu from Stanford, Stanford senior, his class graduates uh, tomorrow, Father's Day Sunday. Um, uh, he and I have the same landlord this week, uh, Sam and <laughs> Betsy Reeves. And uh, I've gotten to know him just a little bit. And he's a great kid with a tremendous story, as bright as could be. It, just what it, it, it's to see this guy two under par through three rounds it's a tremendous feat and the fact that his parents were born in china and what this family has accomplished in one generation in this country the father's a scrap metal dealer uh it's astounding and it's really what u.s open golf is all about i mean he qualified his way into this thing through local and sectional qualifying in the first place yeah i, I love when we can have amateurs play like this you can actually see oh, yeah. their their strokes gain stats we don't get those at the U.S. Amateur, we don't get those right. at college events. Right. This guy has, this guy has a lot of game, and I think people expected him to play well. But maybe T17, people did not quite expect that. That's outstanding, too, you know. And if he goes for 80 tomorrow, it d really doesn't matter. You I know, think he's going to wear his uh, his his cap and gown on the 18th tee. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Uh, he is the low amateur right now. He's tied with Dustin Johnson, Francesco Molinari. Incredible. That is incredible. Uh, they're all chasing Gary Woodland, Justin Rose, and Brooks Kepka. Tomorrow, our boots will be on the ground chasing those guys as well. Michael, who you got an interest in? Well, who do I have an interest in who I think is going to win this thing? Let's call the winner. Well, I think it's Justin Rose. Uh, okay. I just think he's, um, you know, when he, he won the, he won the San Diego, the uh, Torrey Pines tournament this year, and it was scratchy, but he got it together. There's going to be scratchy moments together. And then the question is, can he get it back together? There, uh, so both those guys playing last group had their scratchy moments. Then it's a question of, well, who can get back on track mm -hmm. better? And I just like Justin Rose's chances better taking nothing away from Gary Woodland, who I think is a first-class person. I love his jock mentality, and uh, I love his straightforwardness. Uh, mm -hmm. When we deal with him as reporters, you ask him a question, he answers it, and he, he kind of takes it uh, straight on. And, uh, I find him to be an extremely likable uh, uh, person. Uh, he's a bit of a bulldog. He is a little bit of a bulldog. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's sort of got a Henrik Stenson game, maybe not quite as complete a game as Henrik Stenson. You like um, that stinger he hits? Uh, he, he hits it all. Uh, and uh, he's the wave of the future. You know, when when you're my age, this whole field will be filled Phil with nothing Gary but Gary Woodlands and Henrik Stenson's. And wh wh how about you? If, you, if you're going Rose, uh, I will be going Brooks Kepka. And uh, maybe that's a bit of a fan favorite from myself. I, I love watching Brooks play golf. The guy has made one bogey in the last two days. He made zero bogeys today. He made every par clutch par putt that he needed. And that's exactly what he did at Shinnecock. He made a bunch of putts on Sunday at Aaron Hills, and I think the guy has struggled on these Poa greens, but I think tomorrow it finally works out for you him. You know what this guy was doing during, a, he played a late practice round on Wednesday, he played the front nine, and it was slow, and he stood on that eighth tee, and you know what he did? He clipped his fingernails. I mean, this guy looked like he had not a care in the world. I've never seen that in my life. I've watched a lot of golf. Uh, but he clipped but his he, nails. He was just as pebbles. absolutely as relaxed as could be, and even watching him, the, the bit I, the chances I have had sh to watch him, he just doesn't look like an uptight individual, no. and that's a great way to win a U.S. Open. It's very important on Sunday afternoon. We'll be out there following him, and uh, they're all chasing Gary Woodland. So, tune back in on Sunday night for a recap podcast. We'll have plenty of action for you there on the Golf.com pod. 